Good morning, everybody. Wow, he's just standing your feet. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, good. Okay, well, my name is Nikki Jones, and um, or Nicole to some. I always have such an identity crisis up here with which name to use. But um, I am so honored to be here this morning. I'm so honored to be up here. Welcome to everybody that's in here with us. If this is your first time, uh, Eric will be back next week, and um, we're just so happy that you're, that you're here. Welcome to everybody joining us on Facebook Live. Hi, Eric and Sincerity. I hope that you're enjoying yourselves. So, yeah, we are in part two. So last week, Eric talked about uncommon love, and um, for those of you that were here for that or that were able to watch that on Facebook, it was eye-opening to hear about um, a different way to love, right? Um, Today, we're going to be talking about uncommon commitment. But for right now, I just want to point out something that Eric said last week. He mentioned that good relationships are possible, but not probable. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that is, that's kind of sad. Um, The nice thing is, and the hope that I want to bring today is that They're not probable the world's way, but the honest truth is good relationships in any relationship that you're talking about is really possible through God and doing it God's way. So I just want to start with a scripture this morning. I want to start with Romans 12.2. So Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let's think about this scripture for a minute. It's saying don't copy the customs, the behavior and customs of this world. The world has a way, right? The world has a way of influencing us. Um, Even if we just think about the people that we work with, and the relationships that we see demonstrated there. If we think about what we see on TV or movies, um, that is a very, very profound uh, influence, right? If we think about the music that we listen to, so some of us might listen to Christian music all the time, and some of us might not. And the, the type of music really portrays something about relationships. What this is saying is don't copy that, but it also says let. I wish I would have highlighted the word and bolded the word in this scripture, let. This scripture is encouraging us to let God transform us. The crazy thing about that word is God does not just come in. He doesn't just barge in and change us. We need to let him, right? We need to ask him to change us. Um, and we need to ask him to change the way we think. The last part of this is, then you will learn to know God's will for you. It is good, pleasing, and perfect. His desire for us is to have good, pleasing, and perfect relationships. All right, so we'll talk about the world's way for a second, right? What the world tells us we should do when we're looking for relationships. The first thing the world says is that we need to find the right person, right? How many of us have been in search for the right person? We are looking 
for the right person, and not just like in romantic relationships. We've looked for the right person in when we're looking for jobs, like the right person to give us a job. We might look for the right person in marriage or to date. And um, we're always like in search. So in speaking in romantic terms, we're searching for that soulmate, right? We hear that a lot, that I'm just looking for my soulmate or I found my soulmate. The thing is, is that's the world's way. Next, once we find the right person, what are we supposed to do? If it all works out, we fall in love. How many of us have ever had success when we fall, right? Falling is not a positive thing in any other aspect of life. But when we talk about love, we talk about falling in love. Like we just accidentally tripped and I'm telling you, again, that's the world's way of seeing it. But this has become so common in the way we talk about love. We want to fall in love. Next, after we've fallen hopelessly, helplessly, we fix all of our hopes and dreams on them, whoever that is. And we expect them to fulfill us. We expect this other person to fulfill in every way. We've heard, and again from movies, you complete me, right? We've heard that somebody, that perfect someone will come in and they will complete us. I'm here to tell you there is only one person, there's only one being in this whole entire universe that can complete you. I get emotional when I talk, okay, sorry. I'm going to try really hard not to cry through this. But God is the only one that can complete us. But when we pay attention to the world's way, we're expecting that other person to fulfill and complete us. Finally, if failure occurs, just repeat, repeat steps one, two, and three, right? Find the right person, fall in love, and fix all your hopes and dreams on them. This process really sets us up for failure, okay? And it's saying, I mean, we... Um, so I thought twice about saying this, but I'm going to say it now. Um, you know, dating kind of sets us up for that, for that failure in the way that we are, we're looking to do it the world's way in some, in some instances, and we're free, because we're just dating, to say, you know what, this isn't working for me. I'm going to go find somebody else. This isn't working for me. I thought I was in love, but no, I'm, I'm out. And it's always like this, this like happy feeling, like, oh, well, we were just dating, it's not that big a deal. Good thing I hadn't like completely committed to that person. Um, I'm just going to say that I feel like some of the way the world shows us that dating should happen is setting us up for uh, practicing for divorce more than it's practicing for marriage, right? It's, it's saying, don't commit. Don't commit, and it's all right, because you can always walk out of that relationship. Um, and I think that this is why some some people might have trouble actually committing to marriage because they want to keep that, that door open. They want to keep that, um, the, their options open. Um, I'm just going to say that God has a different way. All right, so let's look at God's way for relationships. First of all, become the right person, right? Instead of going out trying to find the right person, let's become the right person. Let's not sit back waiting for someone to bring something to me into the relationship. Let me become that right person. Let me become, um, let me bring something to the relationship. Let me have something to offer. Um, 
I want to bring my best me to a relationship, right? Yes, definitely. In my marriage, I want to be the best wife possible. In my job, I want to be the best employee in that job relationship. With my kids, I want to be the best mom I can possibly be. With my friends, I want to be the best kind of friend I can be. If I look at it God's way, I am, I am trying, I am striving to be the right person, to become the right person. Second, instead of falling in love, we need to walk in love. Colossians says we put on love. This is something that Eric talked about last week. Love isn't something that we fall into. Love is, is um, not a feeling. It's honestly a choice. I hear often, um, well, in movies, I, I think that influences me a lot sometimes, that, well, I didn't choose to love them. I just, I just, it just happened. But the truth is we, we choose who we love. We choose who we invest in. We choose who we pursue. And we, we choose that love. And in our relationships, we need to continue choosing that love, even when that feeling um, might go away. It's, uh, it's not what you feel. It's actually what you do. And we need to be looking at uh, relationships God's way to be able to see that it's not what we feel. It's what we do. Then we, we fix our hopes and dreams on God. So... Instead of depending on somebody else to fulfill all our needs, we focus on God and we still ask him to fulfill us. We ask him to complete us. We're not looking at the other person too. A lot of the issues that come up in, in relationship, so let me just back up a second. We're part of a small group, a marriage small group. And this marriage small group is, is so beneficial. It's teaching us so much. We've been married almost 23 years, Shannon, and I've been married to Shannon almost 23 years. I assume everybody here knows us, but um, yeah, I'm really proud of that, honestly, next month, November 8th. So, but, but we have so much to learn still, and so much of the issues that we've had or so much of the problems that I've had is expecting Shannon to meet every single one of my needs. That's impossible. He's a human being, and I'm not saying anything bad about him. He is amazing. But only God can fill what I need, what I need filled. Um, when we can realize that and we can fix all our hopes and dreams on God, our chances for success improve. So failure might still occur, right? We are imperfect human beings. But let me tell you, if failure occurs God's way, repeat steps one, two, and three. All right? All right. So today... We're, again, talking about uncommon commitment. And I just want to, uh, to put out there that my goal today in talking about uncommon commitment is not in any way to condemn past relationships. Not any of us in this room, including myself. I, I do not want to bring this weight and put on you. I want to encourage you moving forward. Okay? I want to bring encouragement. Um, I want... I want to give us a, a different way of looking, a way to change our way of thinking, like Romans says. Um, for our relationships to succeed, we need a better blueprint, right? We need better than what the world offers us. We need um, a, a better thing to look at than what TV shows us and movies shows us and music talks about. Um, we, um, sorry for just a second, we need to realize that commitment is needed most when things get rough, 
Okay? So God doesn't, we live in this world that depends on contracts, right? We live in a really contractual society. And in this world, anything really you want to do revolves around a contract, right? You want to buy a car, you got to sign a contract. You want to buy a house, oh my goodness, that's a contract with the bank, right? The more that you're wanting them to invest in you, the more they're going to, more papers they're going to make you sign, right? God doesn't operate like that. Um, He does not require contracts from us. What God does ask for is he asks for a covenant. So in preparing for today's message, I was thinking about the difference between contracts and covenants. And I wanted an example because I know there's examples of covenant in the Bible, but I feel like I wanted um, an example from the legal world, like from the business world. And I found this website um, called upcouncil.com. And it listed out the difference between covenants and contracts in the legal world, in the business world. So I'm going to read these really quickly. A contract is a mutually beneficial relationship, while a covenant is something you fulfill. A contract exchanges one good for another, while a covenant is giving oneself to the other. You can opt out of a contract, while a covenant is about having the strength to hold up your part of the promise. And this is the best. And remember, this is from the business sense. One can stop paying in a contract when one party is not fulfilling their part in the deal. Okay, so like remembering back to mortgages or back to cars, buying cars. However, in a covenant, the party, is not, the party that is not getting their needs met supports the failing party so that they can meet their obligations. When I think about that in, in marriage... I think about that we fail each other, right? We're not perfect, and we fail each other. But when somebody fails me, it's not my right to hit the road. It's my time to pick up the slack and, and support the failing party. All right? Okay, so um, I hope that this illustrates for you kind of the difference in what I'm talking about here um, with, with commitment. So a word that we kind of struggle with, Shannon and I kind of struggle with this word when we're arguing, is the word never, right? I think we, we struggle with it as, as, peop- as a society in general. We talk about the word never. I usually bring that up when I'm mad. You never help me. You never get off work at 5 o'clock. You, and so the reason we have problems with this word never is because it's not true, right? Shannon reminds me. Like if I use the word never or always, well, that's not true because nobody never does something. Nobody always does something that you don't like. Never is a difficult word for us. But I will tell you that God changes the meaning of that word for me. Hebrews 13.5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's easier to get when God is telling me that because you know what? That's the truth. And I know there's no exception to that rule. So going back to what we were talking about covenants, God has made a covenant with us and he says he will never leave us. He says he will never forsake us. This, this message is going in the direction of 
how we can see how God has modeled for us commitment. And this is a prime example of how he models commitment for us. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we hold up our end of the bargain. It doesn't matter if we pay attention to him. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Commitment, um, unfortunately... um, We've been trained by a common society with commitment, right? We're talking about uncommon commitment today. The thing is, God has something better for us. God has more than we could ever imagine in our relationships. Back to Romans, what did he say? Good, pleasing, and perfect. That's his desire for us. So I want to encourage you, let's not rob ourselves of what God has for us, right? Let's not do it the world's way and miss out on what God intended for our relationships. Let's not copy the behavior or customs of this world when it comes to our commitments, but let's let God transform us, um, and let's realize that our relationships are not disposable, right? Again, I don't, I don't want to focus only on marriage. That's where I feel like this is all going, But our relationships are not disposable. Our friendships, they require commitment. Our uh, our employer relationships, that requires some commitment, right? We're not, um, our relationships with our kids, that requires commitment. They're not disposable relationships where um, if our kids don't do what we're wanting them to do, more, more as adults, I feel like this happens, but if they're not, fulfilling their part of this contract it's not it's not uh, it's not a contract it's a covenant we have with them right we we cannot dispose of those relationships so i alluded to this but let me tell you commitment is not really needed in the easy days right commitment is not really an issue when things are going well commitment becomes an issue when things get a little rough. Commitment's not as needed when you really like the person, right? At the beginning of a relationship, when you're falling in love, commitment is is not something that's really brought up. You don't have to talk about being committed to each other. It's It's just happening because you're completely happy with them and they're completely happy with you. And then you get to know each other a little better and the relationship kind of starts to change a little bit. And we tend to freak out right? And, and think, well, this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for, and, and this isn't what I want to be involved in. Um, but commitment actually means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in left you. All right, so last weekend we were at a wedding. Who enjoys going to weddings? Anybody in here? They're beautiful. I actually love going to weddings. I'm glad that Eric and Sincerity were able to be a part of Mariah's wedding this weekend. Um, Everything is perfect, usually. The flowers are perfect. The decorations, the dress, the tuxes, everything is is perfect. And um, let's think about what the vows that are said at weddings, right? So what we hear is, for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to what? Till death do us part. Only death. 
That's it. That's the only thing that's going to separate us. Only death. Right? But what else? What else separates people? Um, You can shout some stuff out if you want. Unfaithfulness. Right? Um, Not doing the dishes like I want. I don't know. (laughs) Um, There's other deal breakers. The truth is. There are other deal breakers. Now, I'm not going to be so crazy as to say I think those other deal breakers should be put in the vows, but I think it needs to be talked about. I think if we're going to stand and make that commitment and say only death, then we need to realize that that's what we're saying is only death, right? Not, not the other things. So, again, I'm not trying to bring condemnation at all. I don't want to put a weight on you. What I want to do is I want us to think about our commitments. I want us to think about the words that we tell people, um, the way that we commit ourselves. Again, commitment's not needed in the hard days. It's needed when things get tough, and it's needed when we go through storms. Um, what do we do when, we're, when a storm's coming? Like, as people, we, we don't really act like the animals, I get it, but but as people, we kind of, uh, well, when we know a big snowstorm's coming to Santa Fe, we tend to go get groceries, get them home, make sure we have enough milk and bread for the however many days. It's usually like not even 24 hours that we're going to end up stuck in our houses, right? But we prepare. We prepare and we take shelter. And we get, you know, for me as a mom, I want to make sure my kids are all home and safe, that, um, that everything's good and taken care of and that we're warm and cozy and we're, we're, we're good through the storm. Right. Um, in in other storms of life, um, you can put those pictures up. We we uh, get together, right? We gather together. I didn't know if they were already up. Sorry. Um, we we gather, and so I have one picture illustrating what humans do. Kind of, we we draw close during a storm. But look at those little penguins. Aren't they just the cutest? That's what penguins do, because it's really bad conditions where they're at and they get really close and they actually rotate and give the the penguins on the outside some relief and let them get on the middle and they take care of each other they gather like that and this one I just had to I just had to put that up oh my gosh those little penguins but you know what made me think about this is again we were at that wedding in southern New Mexico this past weekend and the um there was a storm coming and I'm telling you, like, southern New Mexico storms scare me. We don't have that here. We don't have, like, the warnings come on the radio, like, take shelter. Very rarely do we have that. That was going on down there, and I'm thinking, we need to get out of here. This is not our place. We need to get back to safety, <laughs> right? But we were driving from Lovington back to Portales, and it's just fields, and it's cattle. And those cattle see the storm coming, and they, I think trying to get out of where they're at, like they're at the corner of the fencing, and they're gathered together, and they're going to just wait there until that storm passes. But for these little penguins or for that little calf that doesn't get with that group during the storm, what could happen, right? They might might freeze, not in that storm, but like this kind of thing, yeah. They might freeze. uh, They're not protected. They can't be out there in the open. They need to be with their group. And I am just going to say that in our lives, I want you to picture the group of cattle or these, or these penguins or these little ones when those storms come. Because when those storms come, 
in our lives, it's not time to scatter and separate. When those storms come, it's time to draw close. All right? Um, I don't know what your storms are. And I admit that. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't want to assume to know. And I don't want to stand up here and tell you, just do this, and it's going to be fine. I don't assume to know the relationships that you're in or the kind of struggles you might have with the relationships with your kids or in your job or in your marriage um, or in your dating life. But I do want to bring hope. And uh, you might be sitting there and you might be saying, this sounds great, but and the pictures of the penguins are cute, but I can't. I can't. And I get that. And I'm going to just say, you're right. You can't. But Philippians 4.13, and most of us might have this memorized, says, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. We've heard this. We've heard this a lot. I feel like in sports, in, uh, in all areas of life, we hear this. We see um, athletes wear this, and it's good. It's encouraging. It's motivating but let's look at these words. First of all, I can. But how? Through Christ, I can. Um, he, again, wants to transform us. He wants to change our way of thinking. And he's going to do it gently, but he, he's there to do it. So we can't do it on our own, but through Christ, we can. God is never ever asked us to do anything and then backed off and said, but do it yourself. Never. He's not that God. He gives us a way. So moving towards uh, the hope part, I want to show you how Christ has modeled uncommon commitment, how he has modeled for us what commitment needs to look like. The thing is, he never intended for us just to do what the Bible says. He intended the power of God to get inside of us, to transform us through Christ so that we can do it. So let's, let's look at five commitments that God has made to us to model how we can be committed in our own relationships. Um, what I want is I want for us to realize that God has made these commitments. Um, some of this was, you know, in, in going through this, it was a, kind of new to me to hear things in this way, to see scripture in this way. And the thing is, is that God has done this to us first. God has shown us this commitment first to give us an example. Um, he says, first of all, I commit to prioritize you. So thinking into our own relationships, right, usually one of the first places we fail is where we put our priority, right? Again, this marriage small group that we're a part of really talks about what's taken the priority over your, over your marriage relationship. Um, there's lots of things. There's lots of things. Things get busy. Work is one of the things that takes priority. Some of the times it's our kids, especially for, for those that are raising small kids, they take a lot of priority. And I'm not saying that, that our kids are bad. 
right place to place priority. But what 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 takes the place of of the priority that you had first placed on that relationship? Um, maybe this is your relationship with God. However, you're choosing to to relate this message to your life. What has taken priority over your relationship with God? Um, there's a great scripture that illustrates to us how God has prioritized us. It's 1 John 3:16. It says, "This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We need to make them priority, just like Christ made us his priority the very beginning. Before we were even known, God made us his priority. The, the thing that I want to repeat after each of these five examples is, he did so I can. Will everybody say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. He did so I can. All right? Okay, that was, we can make our relationships, our commitments, we can prioritize. He did so we can. All right? The second one, God says, I commit to pursue you. So pursuit, this is another place that we tend to fail in our relationships, right? We're good at it at the beginning, aren't we? We're like on top of it at the beginning, pursuing, making sure that that other person knows we're there, making sure that we're texting little hearts and and emojis, and <laughs> we're pursuing. And, and um, I thought twice about saying this too, but I'm going to say it. Women, we like to be pursued, right? But our husbands, our, our, our others like to be pursued also. And we oftentimes, I feel like as a society, put the emphasis on what's he doing for me, what's he doing for me, what's he doing for me. These guys like to be pursued too. And they like to know that we want to be around them. And um, so just think back on how you pursued at the beginning. Um, And not to make it weird at all, but God pursues us. He definitely pursues us. Uh, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, or look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He knocks. He pursues us. God has been pursuing you, right? He's been knocking. And, and maybe you've opened that door, but maybe you haven't opened that door yet. God pursues us, and sometimes we're like, uh-uh, I'm not, I don't have time for this. And we, like, stiff-arm him, right? We're like, uh-uh, get away. I, I don't have time. Because, and we, the way we do that is by not responding, not responding, not responding, the thing about God and how he demonstrates his, pers- his commitment to us and his pursuit of us is he keeps on. He keeps on. Think back to your relationships again. If you were pursuing somebody and they, like, stiff-armed you, <laughs> right? Are you going to keep coming back? Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe not. God keeps pursuing us. He does actually does not wait for the feeling to pursue us. He doesn't wait for the feeling of, of, I want to pursue this person. No, he just does because he's committed to us. 
And he doesn't have any priority above us. And so he continues to pursue us. So back to that statement. He did, so I can. I can pursue Shannon. I can pursue my relationship with my kids. I can pursue my relationships with my friends. He demonstrated, he demonstrates how he pursues and how we should pursue. Um, The third way that he demonstrates his commitment, he says, I commit to possess you. (laughs) This one sounds a little crazy, right? Even when we talk about being possessive in our relationships, it sounds wrong. But let me tell you, God has this crazy sense, wants to have this crazy sense of belonging to us. He wants to belong to us and us to belong to him. And in that, that's what I mean, that he wants to, he's committed to possess us. So um, I'll give you the scripture because I just feel like if I'm trying to explain it on my own, I'm not going to do a good job. First Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. So thinking about your relationships, I can say I belong to Shannon and Shannon belongs to me. And God wants us to be able to say that about him. I belong to God and God belongs to me. He wants that sense of belonging with us. And he demonstrates that. He tells us in his word, we are his very own possession. Think about the the possessions you have, okay? Material possessions. Something that you have in your life that you treasure, that you hold on to, that you don't want to lose. And a hundred billion times more than that is how God feels about us being his possession. He, He wants that belonging. So again, he did so I can. I can have that sense of belonging. I can commit a relationship because he showed me how. He shows me how. Another thing, the fourth point, is that God says, I commit to protect you. We all want protection, correct? We all want to feel that security and that protection. But when I talk about this, I'm talking about like somebody having your back. Somebody being there through everything with protection. So, you know what? God knows that there's going to be those days when we need protecting. He, he knows that some of those days when we need protecting, we created that. He knows, he knows me, that I, I make some messes and I... And I need protection. Even when I'm wrong, I still need that protection. He knows that some of the storms that I'm going to go through in my relationships, I created those storms. I stirred all that up. Right? He knows that. And he protects us. Psalms 121.7 says, The Lord will protect you from all dangers. He will guard your life. When I'm thinking about protection, I think of um, I think of an example of like when kids are little, right? 
maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're at Walmart or something, and, and maybe you, I don't know, this has never happened to me. I don't know why I'm using this as an example, but maybe some, your kid gets away from you, right? And somebody brings your kid back and is like, this kid just knocked down that whole display in aisle five, okay? So then as a mom, you're like, oh, my gosh, okay, I should have kept better track. But anyway, the thing is, is that when it comes to my kids, when it comes to my relationships, it doesn't matter what somebody said they did. I am going to take their side. (laughs) And the reason I use this as an illustration is because God takes our side every time. Every time. And as humans, as flawed humans, I might take their side for a second, and then I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, look what you did. Right? God doesn't do that with us. God protects us, and he has our back all the time, and he doesn't change. He doesn't change his opinion of us even when we created the mess. He still protects us, and he demonstrates his commitment to us in that way. He's going to protect us. So when we talk about protecting our commitments, when we talk about protecting our relationships, he did so I can. He shows me how so I know I can do it. And then finally, this one gets me. This one, this one gets me. So I'm just trying to hold back the tears right now. God says, I commit to purify you. He knows what we're going to do. He knows that we're going to blow it. We've blown it. How many in here has blown it? Right? How many in here have had somebody you're committed to blow it? We've had that happen to us, and we've done it. And he knew that. He knew that from the very beginning. But he gives us a way out. He offers forgiveness, and he gives us a way out. God doesn't hold it over us. Right? The way we sometimes do in our own relationships. He doesn't hold it over our heads. He, in fact, the Bible says, he delights to show mercy. So this scripture, you might just have to read it on your own because I'm, I'm going to cry. I know it. I just, this scripture, let me give it a try. This is from the message, okay? It's from Micah 7:18, And in the message it says, Where is the God who can compare with you? Wiping the slate clean of guilt turning a blind eye, a deaf ear to the past sins of your purged and precious people. You don't nurse your anger and don't stay angry long, for mercy is your specialty. That's what you love most, and compassion is on its way to us. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. Isn't that crazy? He does that for us, knowing. You know what? Why, I think why part of this, why this got me is because he did this while we were still sinners. And every day after, he shows us forgiveness. Again, another, another translation. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. He delights to show unfailing love. He delights to show us how to forgive. And he does it for us every single day because we continue to blow it. And he doesn't get tired of it. He did 
so I can. So as we, as we, as we wrap up, I want to give you a challenge. I kind of struggled with this challenge. Um, but what I want to come from this is I want us to be able to realize these commitments God makes to us. Realize commitment is required in the storms and stay committed through the storms. When things get rough, it's not the time to pick up your stuff and get out of there. When things get rough, it's time to draw close. It's time to seek God. Let's not wait till the storms, but it's time to shelter each other. It's time to realize that covenant that you have in your relationships. It's time to pick up the burden that the other person's not carrying for a little bit and help carry it so you can get on the other side of that storm because those storm clouds break up. They, they break up and they disappear and the sun comes shining and you find yourself on the other side of it, stronger, closer, more committed to each other, right? Uh, I want to ask if anybody in here has not committed to God, and I want to give you the opportunity to commit to him first. So if everybody in here would close your eyes and, and just bow your head And if you have not committed to God before, but because he did commit to you, you're feeling like, you know what, I can, then I would ask you to raise your hand to God, not to me, to raise your hand to God. We're going to just pray together where you're at. We're going to all pray together. And we're going to ask God to accept our commitment to him as we accept what he's done for us. So I'll just ask you to repeat and I'll ask everybody in here to pray with us. God, we thank you. We thank you for your commitment to us. God, we commit our lives to you. Because of the example you showed We can accept what you've done, and we can make a commitment to you. I'll just close this in prayer. God, I thank you for each and every person in here. God, I thank you that you've brought us to this place. God, that you've shown us your commitment to us all our lives. God, while we were yet sinners, you were showing your commitment to us. If we wake up tomorrow, God, and we, we fall back to old habits, God, you're still going to be there to be committed to us. God, help us to commit the way you have committed. God, help us to show that, that love and uncommon commitment to other people. God, I thank you for each and every person here, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the ones that are making a commitment to you now, God. And I just ask, Father, you would carry each and every person in here out throughout the rest of their week, Lord, and that you would continue to let these words sink deep.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.